Welcome to the One Within All to Interverse. I'm your host, Chance, and we are back in the podcasting saddle after a long two-week break. And I hope we're all feeling as refreshed and ready to find positive perspectives together as I am. I've often said that ideas are energy, and whether good or bad, the thoughts we believe most strongly can have the biggest effect on how we feel. And if you need an example of how powerfully an idea can physically energize you, just imagine if I convinced you that I was going to bring you $30 million tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. sharp, but only if you could go to sleep through the whole night without waking up at all. (laughs) Now, maybe money doesn't motivate most of you, but I think you see what I'm getting at. Just look at how kids act on the night before Christmas. They're bouncing off the walls, and it's not just from the sugar cookies. Now, with that realization, it's not a far step to infer that our psychic energy and bodily energy are transferable from one to the other, or perhaps they're even one in the same. And it's this subtle energy system that we're going to be talking about today in the context of psychic energy vampirism, what it is, how it works, and how how most importantly, we can protect ourselves from it. It also feels important to mention that this type of involuntary energy transfer between people is something that all of us have done and had done to us many times in our life, oftentimes unconsciously. So this conversation is not a condemnation of anyone who has energy vampire tendencies because for most people, the behavior begins as an automatic survival-oriented mechanism, but can develop into a compulsion that takes on a demonic life of its own. So with all those ideas in place, it's high time to introduce our returning guest, the eminently intelligent multidisciplinary yoga coach and our resident folklore expert, the astro yoga advocate and my good friend, Emily Ridout. This is Emily's third time in the Interverse guest seat. And in past episodes, we've spoken about her astro yoga teaching services, where she helps seekers to correctly select consecutive (laughs) constructive stretches for the sector of that immaculate sky clock above that we're seeing and feeling down here below. So check the show notes for links to Emily's Instagram and website where you can sign up for her free and very informative astro yoga newsletter with awesome regular tips to help you tighten up your yoga routine and loosen up your stagnant chi with strategic seasonal poses and practices. Also, don't forget, you can get the second hour of this chat in every extended episode in the archives by joining Interverse Plus on Patreon, which you can find on my website or at patreon.com slash interverse. Supporting a show you love for five bucks a month and getting twice as much of it sounds like a win-win to me. But now let's get this energetic lesson underway for today, because when it comes to parasitic behaviors and those darn people who are draining you, garlic won't keep these vampires away unless they're super sensitive to your stanky garlic breath. So everybody out there, please link up to that infinite cosmic source of all life force and swirl some of those feel-good tingly vibes out through the ether and welcome our wonderful friend, the starry-eyed and especially stretchy superwoman herself, Emily Ridout. Thanks for coming back on, Emily, and welcome to Interverse. Thanks for having me, Chance. Yeah, so how you doing? Uh, thanks for coming on and being my friend in the the post break return it always makes things easier to be speaking to somebody that i'm already quite comfortable with and i mean we've been talking a little bit through emails uh but we haven't really caught up since you know 2020 happened so maybe we can just start there how you're hanging in and then we'll kind of jump into the fun stuff oh man 2020 did happen and you know, the astrology of it was intense. I was sort of focused before 2020 on just the transits on the personal charts. And then since, since so much globally has been happening, I've been doing a lot of looking at the historical aspects of 
you know, these transits that are happening now and what the implications are for the broader, the broader society and our lives. And I've just been very interested this year, but also totally flabbergasted by the way things have been going. So I'm really happy to be here with you and having a good conversation with a great person. Yeah, thank you. This must be kind of a good, I I told you so type of year for astrology because things are so drastic. You can really point to one thing or another. I think that I mentioned with Athen Kamenti earlier in the year, I think around June, he's a sidereal astrologer that came on and we talked about the uh, we probably talked about America's Pluto return, but maybe not. I know that you and I just spoke about it offline, but yeah. So what is that about? Uh, before we get in, it is a, you know, a good idea to maybe have astrology on our mind because uh, we want to lead people into that level of investigating the self through the stars. But yeah, let's talk about this Pluto situation because I think it really does inform the idea of psychic vampirism since most of the vampirism that goes on is under the surface in the unconscious, which is sort of Pluto's realm. Yeah, so actually America's Pluto return is a perfect time to be talking about energy vampires because Pluto does rule everything that lives within our subconscious. And beyond the subconscious, because the moon also rules things that are not conscious to us always, there's, there's a depth to it where it rules not just the subconscious and the unconscious, but the unconscious shadow. So all those things that perhaps we personally have pushed down or perhaps collectively we've pushed down because we're just not comfortable with it and we don't want to project that piece of ourselves out into the world, no matter how real that piece is. So a human being will never have a Pluto return in a lifespan because a human, um, to my knowledge, has never lived more than 200 years. Um, you know, I think the oldest person ever that we know of was 121 or something, but um, don't quote me on that. But but there could America be some Taoist wizard out there hopping around the mountains, 330 years old. It's true. And I suppose if that person's out there, they have faced their shadow. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not listening. They don't need anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're not listening. Yeah, they're they're off hopping in the mountains. But um, yeah, the the Pluto return for America is a moment where everything that's happened since the creation of the United States of America. So everything that's happened to bring America into fruition, everything that's happened in the state of America, everything that's happened with wars, with the subjugation of people, with slavery, with um, forced sterilization from the 1920s, like everything that's happened um, that maybe isn't painted into our cheery, um, you know, versions of history with our Uncle Sam um, is is what's going to begin to come up. And it's really interesting to me, Chance, because you're talking about psychic vampirism. And the thing about Pluto returns is everybody right now, it seems like, has an opinion about what's going on. And it's just um, what seems to be happening. And the nature of the Pluto return is the idea that we don't actually know yet what's going on. It's the idea that no matter how much we know or we think we know or we're examining something or we think we have a grip on it, 
something new is going to pop out and surprise us and perhaps shock us and force us to just stop and take a step back and look at what's going on. And so that's happening now till 2022 when it goes exact and then we'll continue on for a few more years. So I think we're in for some, some energy work with our energy vampires, both individually and collectively. Now that we're on the subject too of America, it's striking me that one of the things we're going to be talking about is not just one-on-one psychic vampirism, which we will do a little bit more to define as we go forward. If it isn't already kind of evident to everyone listening, what that feels like, I think just thinking about that phrase, you're going to be like, yeah, I know what it feels like, but group vampirism is something where a group of people or an institution can vampirize the earth or other groups of people in massive ways. And it's interesting that if Pluto is in roughly the same sector as it was when America was starting, and then the conditions therefore for this country and its people should be sort of in a plutonic sense, similar to how they were for back then in the revolutionary mythos, that would mean that what we're seeing right now with the federal government taxing everybody is literally the same exact energy as to how the taxation without representation story goes for the American revolution. And that the federal government is a, a group parasite of a vampiric nature. And pretty much I would say governments in general are that, but that's like a side tangent. Maybe we get into, but for sure, if we are to believe the story of these founding father chaps, then they would have not been stoked on the way the federal government is right now at all. I mean, the amount of lib- liberties taken and uh, taken away from us and taken with us, if you will, like liberties taken with our bodies and things like that. It is very much an example of group vampirism, extorting the energy, the life force energy out of tons and tons of people all the time. And that's a It's very interesting to wonder what will result next if we're in the same type of vibe as back then. What will follow hopefully isn't a similar type of bloody revolution, but instead a revolution in consciousness, a reimagining of the world from the inside out instead of trying to beat the outside into shape that you want it to be. (laughs) And we'll see how it goes, because a lot of people are definitely beating on stuff, (laughs) trying to hammer it into their shape. It's true. And I would argue um, sensitively that the astrology this year is actually more intense than the astrology of the year in 1776. Um, It's kind of interesting, right? Because the founding fathers, a number of them were astrologers. So like Benjamin Franklin totally knew what was going on with astrology. And What's interesting, though, is they had no idea back then, at least not in sort of the general sphere of things about Pluto existing. So there were some there's some evidence in some of the mystery schools that people suspected Pluto existed. But the founding fathers wouldn't have known that Pluto was in a sign of business um, and as you mentioned astutely, taxation um, at the time when they were founding it, they were more focused on, I think, some other some other things that that were pretty good placements. That's very interesting, too, to put into context that Pluto wasn't discovered until around the same time that the idea of like psychoanalysis and, you know, the Freudian 
concept of the unconscious became popular in psychology. And so interestingly enough, Pluto gets attributed to that as it popped up at around that time and we became aware of it in the masses. But when it comes to extended consciousness abilities, especially in the deep mystery schools where the information will never see or, you know, touch anyone's ears or eyes that isn't granted it. I mean, there's a potential for things like you wouldn't have needed a telescope to know about Pluto. You would just like remote view it and know that something existed out there. If if you really are one of these like super advanced uh, <laughs> mystery school consciousness explorers, which, you know, and that stuff, as much as I kind of, you know, dog on like the Freemasons and things like that, when I'm talking about secret societies, that's th that wisdom back at a certain point in human history was kept secret because you'd get killed if you had it, because there were other group vampire institutions that would come and wipe you out if you were a heretic. <laughs> and we don't need to talk about who that is yet, but maybe we'll talk about them later in the show. But let's segue into the conversation about, you know, defining psychic vampirism as best we can, because once we lay that as a groundwork, hopefully it's a takeaway people can start applying to their own behavior and in their interactions with others not to necessarily condemn someone because like, oh, they're a vamp, they're constantly vamping me, but to realize when basically you're not connected to your own infinite energy source, the cosmic energy source, uh, because if you're even able to get drained, then that means that you've got a hole, if if that makes sense. There's some, this, there's a puncture there that is something that's coming out of, but we'll start at the beginning and talk about this concept. And if you'd like, we can go ahead and weave in, you know, the folklore of the actual vampire and uh, how people might not realize that the idea of energy vampirism precedes the blood sucking vampire and that the latter is actually based on the former, but it makes sense to me. It totally makes sense. And, you know, if, if you do want to look from a historical perspective about how we arrived here today, you know, the very earliest mentions of vampire in the world date back at least to Mesopotamia, um, like Babylonian era. Um, the precursors of the Hebrew folklore of Lilith talk a lot about a woman who shows up is a demonic entity and drinks the blood of children, right? So there's, there's that dating all the way to, you know, a couple years ago, there was twilight and, you know, the vampires there. And, and so we have this long history of them sort of sparking our stories and our imagination. And I think one of the reasons is what we've been talking about with like the psychic vampirism. So like your energy is your life, right? And before this age, so we're kind of in the Aquarian age, so people are sort of up-leveling, I think, their consciousnesses to a very energetic perspective that didn't necessarily exist 2,000 years ago. Before that, people were very much like, okay, well, your life energy is your blood. And there are a lot of laws surrounding blood, um, from familial lines to, you know, the for forbidding people to actually consume blood to ways that you're allowed to slaughter or not slaughter an animal, right? So that's what we saw the last 2000 years. Now we're starting to talk about it on an energetic level. So 
not just what are you allowed to do with the person's blood, their physical body, their life force, but what are you actually allowed to do with another person's energy and attention, their spiritual life force? Um, and, you know, the image of the vampire is so potent because they can actually pierce your energetic field and take. And in doing so, either kill you or turn you into a vampire. That's usually how it goes, right? A vampire bites you. What happens? You either die or you almost die and you just become a vampire yourself. And I think like speaking of Pluto, that's like such a Plutonian thing to do um, because you see it. It's the same thing. Like when something bad happens to you, you've been traumatized in some way, someone's taken something from you that really they shouldn't have taken. They've hurt you in some way. You have some choices and it's the same choices you see in the vampire stories. Sometimes someone defeats the vampire, right? They survived. Yay them. They're the hero, right? Sometimes someone is destroyed by the vampire and many of us, you know, whether we're destroyed, um, physically by a trauma can just lie down and give up, right? There's the second option. The third option is you could become the vampire yourself. And that's truly a Plutonian thing because usually the manner in which someone's been traumatized is the manner in which they might traumatize others later on. And that usually comes from a deeply dark subconscious place um, that people usually don't want to look at. But I think people in this generation are much more willing to say, you know, I faced this thing. I don't want to do that and perpetuate it to someone else. So I'm going to, you know, sit down and defeat the vampire retroactively, perhaps. I want to pause on this point. Man, I got so many good notes just from this starting point, but I want to pause on this point of how the vampire bite can turn you into one because why would that be part of the story unless there's some kind of truth to it? And I think where the truth to it lies is in the fact that, you know, in some of the older vampire stories, the vampire wouldn't just come and bite you and you die or turn right then, but they would visit you like night after night until you got progressively weaker and weaker. And then maybe you would die or become one because you're so weak that now you need to feed on someone else to sustain yourself. And hence you're the vampire. But this happens with, our internal energy system, because if we're getting it drained all the time, then that means it's having to overcompensate. Our bodily energy system is having to overcompensate to produce the energy that we are now in deficit of, which can put a strain on it. It can tax it. <laughs> By the way, the word tax in the dictionary means a heavy price or burden. That's the definition of tax. <laughs> so I can't wait to talk more about politicians and vampires, but maybe that's an hour or two thing. Still, the idea is that if this system is damaged, then it's not going to produce well. And then you're going to be in the position that the vampire was in when they came to you, which is that they can't produce energy on their own. They have to feed on you, which is a perfect allegory for this idea of being the living dead because you're animate, but there's no life force within you. You're just taking life force. And this is like the very definition of a demon in a way and left unchecked these type of behaviors, which often are inflicted on us when we're young. And then we think that that's just the way that we survive and we don't realize we're doing it. You know, it can come in so many ways, like the oh, poor me, pity me type of vampire or the aggressive and abusive person. But 
Uh, I'm going to give an example of one of the types of vampires that I think that I would most be <laughs> if I was to be, like pick my vampire type, right? <laughs> what I would have been like in my least developed form, if you will. It's, I'm, I'm reading out of a book here called Psychic Vampires by Joe Slate, PhD. I'm going to link that in the show notes. This is a really heavy, heavy research book with a scientific bent where he's doing, you know, actual case studies using a variety of unconventional methods from curly and aura to photography to dream analysis, but all kinds of ways of studying this phenomenon to try to help humanity pick up the tools to no longer need this particular crutch because it's what it is at the end of the day. It's a crutch. But the vampire that I think that I, especially when I was younger, was most like is the narcissistic vampire. And I'm going to read from this type. And he's got like 12 types in here. But this, I think, is a really common type in the United States since we're kind of on the U.S. as a topic. As a group, narcissistic vamps have a grandiose sense of self-importance along with needs for attention and admiration that often reach back to early childhood. They view themselves as superior. However, their self-esteem is usually quite fragile. Their need for acceptance and recognition drive them to overestimate their accomplishments while either discrediting or taking credit for the work of others. In the work setting, they often seek control of the decision-making process while exhibiting few of the skills required for responsible decision-making. Lacking empathy, and this is key, narcissistic vampires tend to disregard the feelings of others while expecting others to be concerned about their welfare. So they explain more about how, you know, they're untrustworthy and things like that. But this is something that, America is really set up for people to have abandonment trauma from either the mom or the dad or both. And if you've got the abandonment trauma, you're from the dad, then you're probably going to be like real right wing. And you're going to want a strong government to replace your father, a strong father vampire government creature to protect you, but leave you alone. And then if you've got the mother issues, people tend to be way more on the extreme left and they want the mommy government vampire to nurture them and tell them what to do. So there's kind of the, these are both stemming out of the abandonment trauma, but both sides of abandonment trauma lead someone to be attention seeking in their behavior. And I mean, what nation in the history of the world has ever been more like fame obsessed and celebrity obsessed than United States. And so I think there's a narcissistic vampire in all of us. And we, (laughs) that's just one of the types, but I think it's a really common type. And I myself think that my behavior in the past was heavily exemplifying that type of uh, dynamic. And then I had to recognize and work on it in myself. And I still think pretty highly of myself, but I think it's a little healthier than before. (laughs) But yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I think thinking well of yourself is, is a wonderful thing. Right. But, but it's true. Like thinking well of yourself at the expense of others is never, is never that. And if, if anybody, you know, whether it leads them to look for something in politics or in business or in, you know, education and personal accomplishment or, you know, money or all the other ways, maybe community engagement, all the other ways that we, um, seek validation, um, or seek, identity beyond ourselves. Like we're all looking for meaning in our lives. Um, and it's just, the issue is if you need others to think that your life has meaning, right. Um, at their expense and you need their, their attention to feel that your life has meaning, then, um, then there's going to be a, 
an energetic depletion, you know, in, in any person who wants that. And I don't know, when I think about vampires, like the energy vampires, I just think like, you can't, you can't bleed something dry. That's infinite. You know, our real blood, if someone was like, I'm going to drain your blood. Yeah, we would die. Right. But our energy has an infinite source. So if, if people get plugged into the real, the real source, instead of plugged into another person who's looking for the real source, then you're just going to drain yourself and that person. Yeah, you're totally right. This is actually the, the tact that Dr. Slate takes in this book, which is that the pretty much the only solution to the problem is to teach both the people who are being drained and the people who do the draining how to connect to their cosmic energy source. Because even if you've damaged your internal energy system, <laughs> the cosmic energy source is infinite, baby. And that's life itself. Literally, life itself is what the cosmic energy, chi, prana, whatever you want to call it, it's that the divine spark, the breath of God, it's all these things. And whenever you can actually connect into it, and this is where daily practices come in and yoga or Qigong, things like that, when you can, then you have an infinite source and then you can give from a full cup that's constantly replenishing. And that's, but also that the real important thing to recognize, and I'll reiterate it over and over again for the rest of my life to people is that spiritual energy is your attention span. So well, I think this would be a good time to talk about what it feels like to be the, I guess, victim. I hate that word, but the victim of a vampire attack, repeated vampire attacks. And then we can get into practices and techniques and some solutions. And then we'll get into more of the technical vampire situations in the world, maybe an hour or two. <laughs> but uh, what some of the traits of being vampirized are, what they feel like. I think this will really make sense in the context of your spiritual energy equaling attention span and, and all that. Uh, quoting from the book, for the victim of recurrent psychic vampire attacks, the typical effects are a significant loss of energy and in the long run, damage to the internal energy system itself. Other common effects are chronic fatigue, difficulty concentrating, sleep disturbances, irritability, Lowered tolerance for frustration, depressed mood, excessive anxiety, sexual indifference, and impaired memory. Extreme long-term exposure to psychic vampirism can result in biological wear and tear accompanied by an array of physical symptoms, including a compromised immune system and even life-threatening illness. There's some evidence to suggest that certain chronic respiratory problems and gastrointestinal disturbances are associated with recurrent psychic vampire attacks. But what's interesting is he follows up by talking about how a lot of these symptoms are the same for the vampire as they are for the victim. <laughs> I also want to say I looked up the legal definition in, you know, legalese, not our dog Latin, as they call it, <laughs> or English. But the legalese meaning of the word victim is the uh, target or object of a sacrifice. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, let's let's talk about, you know, these indicators of not being connected to your source properly if you have some you know thoughts and perspectives to share on on what it feels like to be drained because i know you have i have everybody has felt it definitely and 
Um, it, it's something I've been working with, with clients this year. It's something I've been working with, with myself this year, because I really think this year more than in ever in my lifespan, at least there's been a lot of, you're calling it psychic vampirism. I, I would call it like, that's a great name. I don't know. I just think of it as, as a sort of, I don't want to use the term psychological warfare because that sounds so extreme, but I, I do think that there's um, a lot of energy out there. And I'm not saying that someone is maliciously doing this, but I am saying that we have been sort of enculturated and trained to accept a level of discomfort and illness in our lives um, that maybe have allowed us to sit back and be as you put it, the victim of, of a psychic energy attack. And so, you know, I agree with the book that you'll feel lethargic, you'll feel sad, you'll feel some questions like, hey, does my life have purpose or meaning? You know, does my day have purpose or meaning? Should I do something today? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe I'll just do this work that I'm not jazzed about or, you know, whatever, you know, like maybe I'll just give up. And, and, um, not that all illnesses come from this at all, but some illnesses do come when the spirit is depleted in the body. Um, so, so if you're not feeling great and you can't put your finger on why that could be a, a, an opportunity for you to begin to plug into your source and protect yourself. And I think people always think of like some evil spirit coming, but I would invite people to consider um, what they are, just like you said, giving their time, attention, and energy to. Um, are you giving your time, attention, and energy to a healthy lifestyle, connecting with the people you love most, you know, the, your chosen spiritual practice, your chosen physical and energetic practice, your life's work and passion? If you're doing that, you're probably not going to be susceptible to vampirism unless of that set of things I just mentioned are not connected to the highest good. So the number one thing that yoga, astrology, um, all the energy works teach, um, if you're not doing black magic, which would be like, if you're trying to not be the vampire, right, is that you surrender what you're doing to the highest good. What that means is when you're eating, you surrender that to health and well-being, right? And non-harming, <clears throat> whatever that means to you. Um, when you are, you know, doing spiritual work, you surrender to this idea of the highest good, the highest power. When you're doing your work, you know, you offer it to the benefit of all beings, much like you're doing. Um, but if you're not doing that and your attention is constantly on the social media or the news source or the bombardment of emails we get and, you know, all these things, not that it's bad to get those things or to be on those things or to enjoy those things. Like it's great. Nothing is actually bad. Right. But when you allow those things to dictate your life and you start acting out of habit that serves those things rather than serves your true highest purpose and good, then you're going to be the inner, the energetic victim, right? Then you're going, cause 
if you think about it, if something's a habit, if you just pick up your phone and look at it out of habit, which I totally do sometimes, you're not acting consciously, right? You're, you're offering it your time and attention when you could have been using that focus to feed those things, you know, that, that you care about and to plug into the cosmic energy source, right? And if cosmic energy source sounds too crazy, you know, people can just plug into nature. Like it's, it's, it's literally that that's what it is. Right. I think terminology is so important. And even if we were to say you're plugging into God, what we would be referring to is nature or reality, because the reality is you are an infinite being with an infinite source. And so you're plugging, plugging into reality actually just means just returning to reality, <laughs> actually. And, and that's probably going to be an important distinction to continue on later. Like, God, nature, existence, reality, all synonymous and all very important as uh, something that you need to like keep, you know, stay with, stay with all the time, whatever. You don't have to call it any one thing because it's nameless and formless and infinite. It's the Tao, if you will. But uh, <laughs> I personally want to also mention that you can easily trick yourself into thinking that you're splitting your attention is okay. So like for me, I'll like be playing some dumb game on my phone while trying to do some task because the task is boring. It's repetitive. It's some work that I'm doing. And so I'll be like trying to split my attention between the two things. But then later I come back to the thing and I was like, I thought I was doing fine on it. And I re revised my work and I'm like, there are so many mistakes here. And the fact is that even if you think you can multitask, you're actually giving neither thing 100%, which means it's not going to be complete in a sense, you have to, you won't have the throughput. You can't have more than 100% attention. You only have the whole. If you start splitting the whole, then you get divisions that are probably not what you wanted when it comes to like what you're trying to manifest through that attention. So it is like pr pruning back the a bush. You've got to keep your life simpler if you can. And I'm as guilty as all of us about not simplifying and i mentioned before we started to talk that life after i took while i was on my break some shifts happened where i'm going to be forced into certain changes that will be good and moving towards the simplicity most likely it's all good but you know we go through them kicking and screaming even when we know they're right sometimes and uh i want to talk about well you know you did bring up the social media thing i will just point out this is a really a new phenomenon cyber vamping i mean I, I just don't even read comments whenever I have a somewhat controversial thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I just let it let the free for all happen without my attention going towards it. But it is amusing how evolved our communication can become online and where these tendencies towards just like attack, react, come into full strength. Uh, but let's talk about a very important aspect of psychic vampirism before we get into some solutions. I think this will be the perfect next step is the concept that Dr. Slate in his book talks about, which is parasitic vampirism. That's the term he uses for it, which is where you're actually vampirizing yourself. And without me explaining how that's possible, I'm sure you can probably consider many ways which that might look. And it's probably foundational to all other forms of vampirism that someone might engage in. And so let's talk about this. I think it's very important. Yeah, that is super important. So 
So yourself is the being you spend the most time with. And even in a two-person vampire situation, just to keep it simple, there's an agreement there. You, No one can enter into a relationship without also being in the relationship, right? Like no one can vampire you if you're like, oh, I'm just not involved in this. Um, you know, sometimes we are victims of actual crimes and stuff and it's a big mess. So I don't want to like victim blame, but to say like you have sovereignty and your ability to say, no, I don't want to engage with this. You also have sovereignty within yourself. And each of us, you know, if you want to get into union psychology and all of that, you can start to look at yourself as um, really a multi-elemental being, right? And your multi-elemental being has different needs at any given moment. And sometimes, even though we exist and abide in wholeness, those needs are conflicting, right? Like you mentioned, like playing a game on your phone while doing some work. Well, your mind wants to be engaged in something that keeps it busy, right? Like the monkey mind. The body wants to be engaged in something that keeps it feeling good. Right. And, you know, you know, a lot of what we do is to feed the mind, because I think in America, particularly, we believe we are our minds. Um, Of course, you and I both know that's not true. We are not this mind. We are not this body. We're something infinite. But when we start to identify, we're actually no thing. We're just not we're not even a thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Thingness like we're a verb, not a noun. If you catch my drift. Yeah, we are a being. We are, right? So, yeah, totally. Which is why the zero, if you want to just like study numerology, like just study the number zero forever, right? You'll learn everything that astrology, zodiac, the mystery schools need to teach, right? That's it. It's not even one. It's well, and in a funny way, if you turn the zero the right direction, it becomes a one. Or if you turn the one the right direction, it becomes a circle in a sense. Like there, it's really, you know, the left and the right, the the duality paradigm, it's actually a mirror system. And it's very interesting. Like even your left brain can take on attributes of the right brain if the right brain's damaged. So I think this idea of balance between uh, the thingness and the the beingness is definitely a key here because if you're to identify with the thingness, you're putting artificiality before reality, and that's like that's basically the main the main root cause I've, I'm discovering of like practically everything that's going wrong in the world is people putting artificiality before reality. So like we can create artificial ideas and then things that are not of nature in a sense, even though we are nature. But these sub-creations are needing to be aligned with the laws and, of nature and not doing damage to nature. Because if our creations harm nature, we're harming ourselves. It's our nature. We are properties of nature, as in we're expressions of it. So nature is us. And this is all a long way of kind of circling back around to vampires a little bit in that uh, your immediate reality will shift, as you said, once you are just like once you put up a sort of psychic defense or wall, like if there's a certain person who has been vampirizing you, 
I'm going to give an example, an anecdote from my own life. Uh, five, five years ago, I had been in a brief relationship with a person who ended up being quite vampiric and I cut off contact from them, but there was still like this lingering energetic connection where like, I, I don't need to go into detail, but things hap would happen or, you know, what, what have you that let me know that this person was still like trying to remotely juice me, if you will. I don't know. That's as simply as I could put it. And it's definitely a real thing that people can do. We're higher level vampires that are acting um, no longer just on instinct, but they kind of know what they're doing and they've been practicing, you know, <laughs> that's a real thing too. So that's what had happened with me and this person is I, I had bought the two of us tickets to go to a, a new year's Eve concert. And then we, I stopped talking to this person and avoided all contact as I could still had this tether. She still had a ticket to this show that I had gotten for her. And what ended up happening was one night I decided to just like do a little ritual, a little ceremony, if you will, to symbolize me disconnecting the energetic tether between me and this person once and for all for good. And I did this. It only took like three minutes. And the wildest thing was right after I finished and like got up from where I was kneeling, my phone vibrated with a text and she had texted me saying that she emailed me a cop her copy of the ticket to that show because she couldn't go anymore. And <laughs> I hadn't spoken to her directly for months at that point. So she hadn't texted me. I hadn't texted her. No calls back and forth. It was just like this completely non-physical energetic tether that was going on. I cut the cord on my end and boom, like literally the physical artifact of it was that she has the ticket that we were both going to go to the show and be in a future event at the same place. And then now it's not happening. Does that all make sense? Like synchronicity will align to help you. Like that's kind of how this works. It's like when you're getting back to God or to source with your energy system, then also you're gaining a type of a layer of protection, if you will. And it's very, it's very real, but you got to like know it's there first and then <laughs> It's like a superpower that only that gets stronger every time you remember that you have it. Definitely. And, you know, we as human beings are, we're in a really special place, right? I loved what you said. You said it so beautifully about putting the thingness before the ultimate reality of truth and how, how important it is to put the ultimate reality of truth first. Um, but we as human beings, right, we're able to plug in to our higher selves, to our higher source place. We're also able to feed and sustain each other. And so when we're talking about vampiric energy, right? Like it's important to, I think, notice that we share energy with each other and that's okay. That's actually essential for being a human being. Like if you're not sharing your energy field with others, you'll, you'll also become probably sad and lonely and depressed. This is empathy. Right. Empathy, empathetic connection, compassionate connection. You know, maybe the most enlightened beings would be fine being all alone their whole lives. Most of us move in and out through glimpses of enlightenment and then moments in our more subjective lives. Right. And so, you know, positive friendships, positive relationships, those can all be a huge boon. Um, it's, it's when things become you know, one person takes and one person gives 
or is taken from, right? Um, that things get out of balance. And so, you know, and, and, you know, when it is like to get back to being within yourself, like you never have to give anybody anything. Granted, there are going to be situations where it's going to be really hard because there could be consequences to not do certain actions, right? Like, let's say someone hires you, you're like, I'm not going to give this person anymore. <laughs> well, then, you know, you might get fired, right? There would, there would be earth plane consequences, but you actually never have to give anyone anything. You get to articulate your boundaries. And so just like you cut your cord, right? You said, okay, you know, no more. Um, we can all do that. And we can do that even if it's ourselves being the vampire um, or ourselves being a self vampire, right? We have the ability to say, okay, self, one part of you wants to, you know, binge watch the news while playing 12 things on your phone and divert your attention everywhere. But this other part of me is going to say, okay, come together, you know, sit down, close your eyes, meditate for five minutes or 10 minutes, right? Like draw that back into unity and alignment. And then, and then, you know, once we learn to not drain ourselves, we'll probably learn not to either allow ourselves to be drained or to drain others in turn, because we'll feel whole. And so if someone tries to take too much from us, we'll be like, well, you know, I've given you what I can, you'll probably be more compassionate. That tends to happen the more people do these practices. Um, and so offering people love and empathy is enough, but it doesn't mean that you'll bend over backwards or tear yourself down, which sometimes happens is we tear ourselves down because we feel guilt or shame or um, worry about another person. Instead of saying from my heart, you know, I give you what I can give in this circumstance, which is probably compassion or maybe a little bit of help, right? Um, yeah, and then we also won't want to take from others if we feel whole. So if you have a tendency, and you know, probably people have both tendencies, right? Because when someone takes from us, we're like, okay, well, I want to take something back because now I feel depleted, like I need I gave them my attention. Now I need attention. And it's just a big, a big mess, but we probably won't need it as much when we're grounded, when we're whole. It's so funny how it occurs to me now, like this idea of attention seeking behavior. It's all, it's inverted. Just like I'm talking about putting artificiality before reality, inverting things, which is the definition of evil because live backwards is evil. If you live backwards, you're evil. <laughs> so you're living backwards when you're seeking attention, because what you should be seeking is to pay attention. And if you're energizing yourself by connecting to your source and you're no longer vampirizing yourself, you're going to have more attention. And therefore, you're going to notice the way you affect others more. It's going to be more obvious to you if you're doing something vampiric to somebody else, because now you have all this new energy with which to pay attention. But the so putting thingness before reality and to be really specific about it, it's when you decide that whatever title or story about yourself that you think that that's actually true and like a fixed reality, whether it's like you think you're a loser or 
you have a story about yourself that all these bad things happened and that's why your life is screwed up and it will always be screwed up. All of this stuff is artificial because it's just words and it's just ideas and it, it's nouns, it's titles, it's, you know, descriptions, but it's not the verbness of what you are, the I amness. And the, <laughs> honestly, the, the thing that we, we call the false ego, because I don't think ego itself is false. It's an expression of yourself, but the false ego is this like title part where, you know, you decide you're a loser or you're a, a police officer so you can beat up on people or, you know, that's just a, for an example, you know, you have this title. Titles tend to give you license to feel a certain way or act a certain way. But this thing, this compulsion, this vampire drive, it does become its own type of entity in a way because it is a compartmentalized section of self, especially if you're keeping it in the unconscious. That means that there's like a barrier that is a vessel that it's in within you that's separate. And as something that's in a compartmentalized vessel, it is separate from source itself, right? So it becomes animate in a way, psychically animate, because energy is consciousness, energy is attention, and it's a container of energy. And it might be like even physically in your body somewhere, some form of tension from some injury. There's a lot of ways this plays out in both planes, both sides of the coin, physical and non-physical. But this really attention-seeking demon, if it, it will bounce right off of you if someone else has got one of these attention-seeking demons and you're holding the full truth and presence of source because it actually doesn't want the full truth and presence of source. It just wants to, to leech enough to keep going. But if it got a full hit of what you were holding when you're in your total truth and your supreme beingness, it's going to burn that vampire right out. The container will cease to exist. It'll all be the white light. It, the truth will be revealed, you know? So these entities, if you will, you don't have, this is part of the protection thing. They will, people that are very like infested for lack of better word with these type of inner demons, they, if they're not ready to heal themselves, they will pretty much just bounce off of you or never even come around you. And I fully hold that to be true. Like since I came into a higher degree of my own power, I do not get vampirized. I don't even run into them. And it gives me like rose colored glasses about the world sometimes. But then I get online and I read some Facebook comments. I'm like, oh, wait, they out there. But <laughs> that was kind of a lot. That was kind of a lot. But uh, this let's talk about the balancing, you know, let's talk about in this last 10 minutes or so, give us some astro yoga instruction on, on what might help us with the America's Pluto return and with strengthening our connection to our cosmic source on a, on a practical basis. So the first place to start always is with yourself. In yoga, we, we call the latent tendencies for like negative reactive things. We call those samskaras. And through the fire of your practices, you burn the samskaras. You keep the positive ones, all the good things that have happened to you and the wonderful things about who you are, right? But those things that, you know cause you to act out of turn or do something that you're like later, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. They start to get burned through the practices. So the more you 
can return to the self, the more you can have a consistent meditation, yoga practice, the more you can self-examine through your work with astrology or, you know, the work with doing all of the inner work on the shadow, that's going to be key. And as far as surviving and hopefully thriving and creating a better tomorrow, which is what happens when we look at our shadows, right? Like the Pluto return, it's going to get nasty. You're going to look at it. You're going to say, my God, the world looks awful, right? Don't believe it though. That's a lie. That's a Pluto return lie because all of the things, all of the national samskaric tendencies are popping up. They're starting. They've already started. They're going to keep coming for a while. The way to move through this is to stand in your own frequency to have those practices that are supporting you, to stand in, plugged in to the earth, which is a manifestation of the divine and to the actual divine, right? Because manifest reality is birthed from cosmic reality. So stand in the truth and have a deep commitment to acknowledging truth, no matter how hard it is to see. You know, you don't have to like it. But if you have the commitment to say, okay, I'm standing here and I'm able to see, you know, only what you can see right now, which none of us can see the full truth at any given moment. But if you're willing to just stand there, if you're willing to not identify with the mind and to allow the mental attitudes to change as new information comes in and to note that the energetic resonance within your body is actually always capable of returning to your true self, to your true state of being, you'll start to be able to deconstruct the controlling narratives that pop up in our culture. You might even begin to deconstruct ideas about like, you know, what is the nature of money? What is the nature of the world I live in today? What is the nature of the way we've set up our cultures and our communities and our nations and our lives and our, you know, international diplomacy, like what's good about it, you know, and what needs to change and how can you stay anchored in your true self, no matter what gets taken or added to you on the external physical plane. I love it. And I think that really we've got the type of audience that I trust you guys out there have all got, you already know in your mind, like, well, this is the thing that's my path. This is how I build up my bodily energy and also don't let the uh don't let the idea that you're not doing it enough begin to vampirize yourself (laughs) because we could easily do that too like i haven't done qigong in two months uh i'm screwed or whatever like i'm never going to get back into it but maybe in that this is me i'm giving myself an example i haven't done qigong much for the last couple months but in contrast i've been doing really good workouts with weightlifting and some cardio that I wasn't doing a whole lot. So just like allow yourself the mental flexibility to know that you, as long as you're doing self edifying things and like, you know, the truth, then you're also going to know intuitively if like, okay, I've been lifting weights for too many weeks without Qigong. And maybe today I should just take a rest day from that and work on my inner energy system, or maybe I should be doing both or, or whatever, but not to beat yourself up over anything because that's just subtracting from 
the greatness that you are <laughs> and you know and but be realistic too it's like this fine balance be realistic that if you know that you're not feeling well and you can pinpoint the reason why if you ask yourself the question the answer is going to ping back into your mind if you're listening so let me look at the time here. This is a great moment for the last couple of minutes for you to talk about your services and if there's anything new going on with you that you'd like people to know about and how they can find you. And of course, for me to express my gratitude for this conversation, because it's been very fun, despite the dark topic. But to me, it's not a dark topic. Once you shine light on it, you're like, oh, we're just examining the human developmental process and we need to be real about this. So and not judge ourselves or others for what part of the process they're in, but like be involved with the tools and the teaching of the tools, because that's who you listening out there. That's who you are. You're a teacher of these tools, whether or not you've stepped into that power. It's a fact. So, <laughs> Emily, let's take us out. Like uh, what what do you got for us? Any closing thoughts? Sure. Well, my closing thoughts, I think, are just if you're listening to this, offer yourself and offer others compassion because you are going through it, you know, and, you know, do your best, do your practice, you know, make it easy and short, you know, just do it if you can. And if you can't or something happens, you know, give yourself compassion, give yourself grace and give the same to others. Um, as far as where you can find me, I live in Oregon, but I am on the internet. So you can find me through my website, emilyridout.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-R-I-D-O-U-T.com. I do send out a free weekly astro yoga forecast as chance mentioned. And um, I do work with long-term clients as well as one-offs for astrology readings and astro yoga work. That's energy work you can do through your body using your astrology chart, learning to use your breath, learning to navigate your chart as the map that it is to your highest potentialities in this life. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, and I started teaching a weekly yoga class online. So if you'd like to do yoga timed up with the flow of astrology, um, you can find me on Zoom on Tuesdays and you can book that under the booking link on my website. You heard her people. You really can't underestimate the importance of the sky clock when it comes to natural law, once we get out of the phase of like recognizing right from wrong and reality from artificiality, the next step is like, okay, what else is nature trying to tell us? And the sky clock is where she tells us everything and the time to plant, the time to reap and everything in between and getting aligned with that just means that you're aligning with the cosmic energy flow even more powerfully in a physical way. And that's like the root of all practical magic. It's not about trying to force nature into the direction you want to go in. It's about putting yourself in the direction nature's going in, because that's the only way that you're going to live because nature is life. <laughs> so yeah, that's, this is great. What a good first hour stick around. Uh, plus members, of course, in hour two, we're going to talk about the group vampire thing a lot more in the context of what's been going on in 2020 and i'm sure it's going to get very interesting i've also got a personal story to share about a non-physical parasitic vampire entity ghost thingy that i recently encountered which will be a, a probably a whole can of worms to talk about the potentiality of 
psychic vampirism outside of a physical body and why that might even happen. But hey, it's been a really fun time, Emily, and thanks for being on. Can't wait for hour two. See you guys there. All right, guys, we made it to another outro. And man, as usual, this conversation was exactly what the soul doctor ordered for myself. I've been off the uh, podcast hustle for like two weeks here. So being able to ease back into it with a really good friend like Emily is just phenomenal. So hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And I guess I'll tell you a little bit about where I've been. I went on a family vacation. First one I've been on in years with good old mom and dad and my sister and her husband. And we went all around Colorado and Utah checking out crazy rocks and climbing on things and hiking and looking at big views off of cliffs and enjoying the mountains. Really a great experience for me. I live in Southwest Missouri, if you weren't aware, and we don't have mountains here. We've got some really big hills, but it was definitely cool to see such an alien landscape and run around. And I did a lot of uh, what you call, I guess, earthing or grounding on that trip. I was pretty much barefoot anytime I could be. And some of those canyons that you hike through, like at the uh, Arches National Park in Moab, Utah, man, the sand in those canyons is like better than the beach. So if you ever have the ability to get out there and check it out, I definitely recommend it. It seems like a good way to go as far as vacations are concerned, because you could just camp and enjoy nature 24 hours a day for as many days as you can put towards it. But anyway, I'm feeling really refreshed and excited about the show again after taking that time off. I wouldn't say I was burned out from making Interverse, but I was getting <laughs> a little troubled with my routine and it felt like some things in my life were kind of stuck and not getting past where they were transcending and being out of town and changing things up for a week like that taking forced me to kind of take an entire extra week off afterwards, which wasn't my original plan, because when I returned, some things that were stuck in my life just started to kind of shift automatically. So I gave myself even more time than I originally planned. I'm glad you guys were patient. Nobody was like, where's the show? Maybe that's a bad thing. <laughs> Maybe it'd be better if you were impatiently waiting. But my hopes is that during the break, you just use the time that you would have been listening to Interverse to check out other content that is deserving of your time, because I certainly don't want to monopolize it. It freaks me out. Some of the podcasters out there that do like five episodes a week, you know, Joe Rogan experienced 12 or 15 hours of content per week. If you really wanted to be a fan of that guy and follow what he was doing, pretty much wouldn't have time to do anything else. So I hope that you guys did enjoy the other things that you were doing and checking out while Interverse was on that miniature hiatus there and i think that we're all coming back to these ideas with fresh eyes and hopefully the enthusiasm that i felt about having this conversation and wow this thing about psychic vampirism really is wild stuff because we all can relate to it but most of society just ignores that it's a thing because we have like the materialism idea going on i guess and we forget that we are energy and that even our bodies are energy and that energy is like first, first things first, right? So I will say, I think this conversation pairs really well with a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I guess, when I did a conversation with Eileen Day McCusick, who I call the tuning fork lady. <laughs> we talked about her sonic slider and just 
bringing clarity to our vibration. And I like that phrase better than maybe saying, let's raise our vibration, because you could have something vibrating really rapidly, but be off balance or, you know, not actually uh, in tune. <laughs> you know, you can vibrate the shit out of a guitar string, but vibrating it harder when it's not in tune, is not going to do anything better for you. It's just going to make the sound that doesn't sound good get louder. So we got to realize that that before we start trying to like ramp up our chi and our energy levels, we should maybe get the stagnancy out of the whole system however we can and bring clarity to the sound and the tone of what we are internally. And this is all very like, I guess you could call it word salad, maybe. I mean, some people accuse me of just using like metaphysical new age word salad to talk about stuff and not actually saying anything. But I think we are saying something if we can. It's just hard to put into words these energetic things because you could describe it in a million ways. But at the end of the day, it's your own deal. Like you're the one that has to build the bridge between your cosmic and your bodily energy systems. But yeah, that Eileen episode, go check it out. I've been in touch with her lately and I'm really excited about what she's going to be up to next and her tuning fork processes and just the ideas in general that we had in that conversation. It would be, yeah, perfect for actually bolstering yourself against psychic vampirism and making sure that you've got the level of energy, which is consciousness, which is awareness to pay attention to your own behavior well enough to not ignore whenever you're doing the vampirism thing. I know vampirism is a strong word because it's like there's a whole spectrum. Some energy vampires are definitely not doing it on purpose. So you wouldn't really maybe even call them a vamp. But others are like, according to the book by Joel Slate, Joe Slate, that I, I referenced in this conversation, he encountered in his clinical studies, lots of people that actually knew they're doing it, doing it on purpose. So those are like the higher vampires. But anyway, at the end of the day, all of us, what stage of vampirism we are in or have surpassed, we do need to like bring this knowledge to humanity because we can cure both the victim and the transgressor by helping them connect up their actual their natural energy system and repair that and it's something that is very 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 relevant because a lot of the disconnect in our society and the division i think really comes from this body dysphoria how people don't feel good in their own bodies and yeah or just not comfortable with who they are themselves i remember some of the ways that like my younger types of energy vampirism would work for myself is like I would see somebody that was extremely bright and that was like really shining and doing their thing and I would slide up to them and I would just like really want to talk to them in a way where it felt like they approved of my thoughts or my ideas and then I would feel good because they were like in my eyes a super awesome person and if they approve of me and they like talking to me then that makes me feel good and that's not exactly like I'm hooking into them and trying to drain them on purpose. But in a way, it's like I'm going to somebody and I need something. I need this validation. Right. And uh, that's a that's a stage in the development that we can get through. And luckily, if you're looking for validation from people that are actually activated and attuned, then you will get the validation anywhere. You won't hurt them. <laughs> so I guess like what I'm describing isn't exactly vampirism. But at the end of the day, all of these drives come from a need for to be seen and to be approved of and to be loved. And if we're not loving ourselves on our own, then we will look for the outside sources of it. But if we are loving ourselves correctly, then everything around us is going to feel like love. So 
that's sort of the way to do it. Let's talk about that though, like actual techniques. I, I planned to read this short page and a half or so about one of the uh, practices that is a strategy for defending against psychic vampirism and strengthening yourself. You all out there maybe already have this type of thing going on for yourself, like a way to do this. But if it's not something you've thought about before, here's like a template that you can apply and you can make it your own as you go. But these type of superpowers, like these energetic superpowers that we have, whether they're defenses or their empowerment, kind of the same thing, actually, these are, they're really, it's a mental intention that triggers it, but you need to actually know what it feels like to have the empowerment because that's how it, that's how you bring it in. You like tune yourself to the feeling of the empowerment. So uh, this technique involves like body scanning as a big part of it. And that's where I think a lot of meditators actually get left behind because maybe they weren't taught this idea of body scanning. They were just put into like the pure breath work and doing the pure breath work will give you more body awareness and kind of get into some automatic scanning. But this is a cool tactic where you just go through from head to toe and try to feel out every part of your physical being. And yeah, I, I mean, I should do it more. Everyone could do it more. Just know that part of the trap of thinking that you need to do more is that you forget that being is actually what you're doing <laughs> and that you don't need to, you know, think detrimentally of yourself because you're not doing whatever the energy hygiene thing is enough. But if you feel drained or you feel off balance or you feel like you're not able to focus or pay attention, this type of a technique is great. It doesn't even necessarily need to relate to one-on-one -on -one energy vampirism with another person. It's just, this is just a psychic empowerment, energetic empowerment that we can all get into at any time. So I'm going to go through this. It's a five-step process, very short. And if you want, you can Settle back in your chair and close your eyes and actually do this now or pause this and come back to it whenever you have a few minutes to take time with this technique. You might pause the uh, recording between steps so that you can take time with each step, but just do whatever you want. I think hearing it described will give you the framework that you could do it later without needing to be guided through it. But all right, here we go. Step one. Sorry about that. My phone just popped up and told me that it's about to rain. Thanks, phone. I couldn't tell by looking outside at the sky and the clouds. <laughs> All right, though, here we go. Step one, body scan. Settle back and while breathing slowly and rhythmically, mentally scan your body from your head downward, briefly pausing at areas of tension. Visualize the tension as a shadowy mist and your conscious presence, a luminous glow. Let the glow of consciousness repel the shadowy mist and replace it with bright, new, radiant energy. Take plenty of time for the luminous glow of your conscious presence to fully permeate your physical body. Yeah, take your time with this one. And then step two, focusing. Focus your conscious awareness on your solar plexus and think of that region as your energy control center. Visualize your conscious presence at that center as a bright, supercharged force that activates and fortifies your total energy system. Step three, self-infusion. As you remain consciously centered, visualize energy pathways extending outward from your inner control center. You can now identify blocked pathways and open them up to unleash a totally new flow of life force energy. 
you can now replace old, non-functional pathways with shining new energy channels. Let the supercharging flow of powerful energy illuminate your total being, inside and out. Step 4. Cosmic Infusion Turn your hands upward as you sense radiant beams of pure cosmic energy entering your palms and then spreading inward to bathe and energize every part of your being. Sense vibrant cosmic energy flowing throughout your energy system, saturating it totally with bright cosmic energy. Step 5. Attunement and Balance Clasp your hands as a symbol of your oneness with the cosmos. Affirm to yourself, I am now totally balanced and attuned to the higher cosmos. And from this point forward, if you've done this technique or you are familiar with how it feels to attune yourself to the cosmos, then you can actually use this hand clasp that's the end of the technique to cue yourself and activate the empowering effects of the full procedure. And so this is very interesting. Okay, those are the five steps. And first of all, I want to point out the solar plexus element. I've always had more trouble with solar plexus than any other chakra. It's kind of part of my human design. And this is uh, also where a lot of, according to this book, the psychic vampirism hooks into the aura, usually puncturing around the solar plexus, right in the chest. You know, you're like shooting a dart in their heart. <laughs> but this is a very, very easy to do uh, the cosmic infusion step without even needing to do the rest of the steps. If you're like, especially if you're outside, a good way to practice the feeling of what he's describing here of putting your palms facing up and feeling the flow of cosmic energy entering through the palms, which are a chakra point entering through the palms and spreading through your body. If it's hard for you to like imagine that feeling, then try going to the sun for that and face your palms towards the sun. This is something I figured out a long time ago on my own. Put your palms out to the sun, feel the warmth entering your hands, and then let that spread out into you and feel like it's energizing you. And then once you know what that feeling's like, you can repeat it. And I've said this before in the past, especially about stuff like Qigong and Tai Chi and other energy movement practices and internal energy awareness practices is, if you can't feel the internal energy, then imagine what it should feel like or what you think it would feel like. And practice imagining that and then you're going to be giving your mind and body system a type of language to communicate with you when you do feel things so it's like an atrophied sense of your inner your inner awareness that needs to be practiced and imagination is not fake guys it's actually a, a sensory apparatus and a creative capacity so if you're using your imagination to feel what you think it should feel like that's actually really no different <laughs> and you'll be able to just do it automatically at a certain point and having these cues that represent the completion of a practice are really useful like this hand clasp can mean that i've got other ones that i do like like certain things i do for my third eye where i just have like a whoop movement i do across my forehead and then i'm just like oh activated because i spent time practicing activating that center and then associated that activation with the gesture and this is sort of like creating your own magical system that's just for you. And it's, it's good stuff. But, okay, I'm getting pretty long in the outro here. You could tell I missed you guys, right? <laughs> really happy to be back. And there's many good episodes on the schedule coming up. Uh, let's talk about Plus. If you didn't know, somehow at this point, you can get Interverse Plus by subscribing on Patreon, five bucks a month. Linked in the show notes, patreon.com forward slash interverse and in this episode we talked more about like 
2020 events in terms of group energy vampirism and the idea of humanity group vampirizing the earth and nature. And that is just really fun to contemplate because <laughs> it, it gives us a pathway to see what our perspective is doing to the world and how we're putting artificiality before what's real and what's natural. I also told an interesting story and conferred with Emily about a energy situation I ran into with a friend not long ago where we seem to have encountered like a non-physical vampiric entity and we took care of it. <laughs> we sent it back, if you will. But that's a fun story too. There's a lot in the plus extension. I don't even know uh, where to start in terms of explaining it to you. It's definitely a worthy contribution to the first hour of the conversation. And it's like def also definitely the big boy, big girl part of the show. So if you're, you know, past the first hour information, you want to get deeper. Definitely. Let's do it. Get in on plus five dollars a month. Like you would tip a server at a restaurant that much or more for one meal. But five dollars a month for me gets you all the archive of shows and each new show's second hour. So it's like kind of a steal. <laughs> It's a win-win for both of us. I definitely could use your support trying to get to where I can do this full time. And I need you guys for that. So thank you. There's other ways to support the podcast as well. You can find those linked in the show notes, whether it's just jumping in and talking to us on Discord, getting some secret energy supplements from my uh, affiliate link there that gives me a kickback. There's lots you can do. Leave a review on iTunes. That's always helpful. I haven't checked into those for a while to see if there's anything new, but if there are next time, I will for sure read them to you guys if they're fun or nice, or even if they're a little mean. <laughs> that never happens though. But all right, let's get out of here. Been great talking, of course. Love you guys very much. And if there's one thing I left out of this outro, it was exaltation of the great Emily Ridout. She is a wonderful gem of a person, and I loved that she was the one that aligned for me to have this conversation with because as a yogi, as an astrologer, and as a folklorist, this all converges into this idea of both the folklore of vampirism and what it really is on an energetic level and how that works and how our internal archetypal dynamics may uh, cause more types of vampirism in some people than others. And that's the astrology side. So all around, she was a great person to talk to for this and definitely go follow her on social or contact her for consultation, get her newsletter at emilyridout.com. Totally free and she'll give you great seasonal astro yoga updates. So that's it, everybody. Feels good to have this episode out to you guys. I really did love it a lot. And I love you guys. I appreciate all the nice messages I've got from listeners over the last couple of weeks and just, you know, forever. And it feels like we're getting more connected than we ever have been before. And I'd love to hear from more of you. And Discord's the best way to do it. But you can email me or hit me up with a comment. I do my best to at least read them. If I have time, I'll respond too. But just know that I really appreciate being connected with all of you. And I think that this is the point in the timeline where humanity definitely has the choice to transcend energy violence and psychic vampirism and become are really whole and infinitely empowered selves so i love it life's good talk to you guys soon bye bye
Thank you.